Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrienne Delgado, and in this podcast, you will get practical nutrition and health tips for both you and your entire family. I am a registered dietitian. I'll give you step-by-step plans to reach your goals, easy tips to stay motivated, and my favorite recipes that I know you will enjoy too. Nutrition and health doesn't have to be boring or grueling. Let's enjoy the journey while we strive to reach the destination together. So grab your water bottle and notebook because it's time to get started. remember the day we purchased our home like it was yesterday. Jim and I recently were engaged and we were looking for a house to move into. And we were already set to purchase this townhome when all of a sudden our realtor called us and said there was this beautiful single family home in our price range right near my husband's work. So we scheduled the first showing available the next morning and I immediately fell in love with this house. It had a cute yard out back. There was a family room with a vaulted ceiling, a large finished basement, and a master bath attached to the bedroom. It was literally everything I could ever want in a home. And although these are all great features, what I was most excited about was the security system. You see, I had never lived in a house with a security system, so this was a big deal. And it turns out that the current owner's father was the owner of a home security business. So when I tell you that this house had all the bells and whistles, I am not exaggerating. I'm talking alarms, an outdoor speaker system that talked, and the best feature of all was that this whole entire system was hardwired directly to the police and fire station. So we didn't even have to make a phone call for help. And now this may be common, and this may be how most security systems are, but 15 years ago, this was a big deal. And coming from a home that never had a security system, this was a really big deal. I felt so grown up. I was 23 years old, and I was going to live in a house with a security system. I remember thinking, I am going to feel so safe and secure when we have a family, Um, Because at that point in time, Jim worked evenings. And so I was like, this is just amazing. I am so excited. So our offer ended up getting accepted. We moved into the house a week before our wedding. And as any new couple quickly realizes, there's a lot of work in owning a home. Whether it be from general maintenance, to lawn care, to cooking, cleaning, And growing up, my mom did most of the cooking, so I just assumed I would take on that role too. And you have to remember, I just passed my national exam to become a dietitian. So who better to cook than the person who has a background in food? I know Jim was more than happy to give that responsibility to me. And again, because his job ended so much later than mine, he didn't get home till 7.30, I think, at the earliest. It made sense for me to start dinner when I got home. 
Now, I wish I could say I'm a natural cook, but that it would be a total lie. (laughs) I have always envied people who could just throw a little bit of this into a pan or a little bit of that. People that use their taste buds and sense of smell to guide them in the kitchen, you guys, you have a gift. I do not have this gift. I have to follow the recipe line by line to get it right. And even then, sometimes I screw it up. I remember shortly after getting married, I called my mom for one of her recipes. And she's like, "Uh, I just put a little bit of this in there. It's only three ingredients. Just kind of squeeze a bunch of it in there. You'll figure it out. And I freaked out. I was like, Mom, that's not helpful at all. I need to know how much. Like, are we talking tablespoons or teaspoons? Like, I need the exact amounts. And so my mom, she cooked a lot of basic recipes growing up. So when I started cooking, that was all I had to go by. Uh, I grew up in Lancaster County, where if you throw some meat, potatoes, and corn on the table, you have an amazing meal. Now, Jim's family is Mennonite, and he has some amazing cooks in his family. Now, Mennonites cook similar to Pennsylvania Dutch cooking, which is what I grew up with, um, but his entire family has a gift in the kitchen. I remember when we first got married, I would spend time with his one aunt, and she taught me how to make homemade applesauce, like the pink kind, like the only kind worth eating, because once you have homemade pink applesauce, you don't ever want store-bought again. Um, His aunt taught me how to make homemade jelly. Again, once you have homemade jelly, the store-bought versions just don't measure up. And another aunt, she told me how to freeze 100 ears of corn every summer so that I would have corn all year round. Like, these ladies know their stuff. This has been traditions passed on from family to family. And when I first started cooking, Jim compared everything I made to how his grandmother cooked it. Which I guess was helpful, but also very annoying because I was not a good cook yet and his grandmother was. And so I always heard about how, well, when my grandma made it, she did it this way. He likes to tease me and say that's why I'm a decent cook now because he molded me into the cook I was. But I don't know. He also has a a different spin on things. So. Anyway, I had huge standards to meet, but I was determined to learn how to cook like his family, and I made it a personal challenge to raise my game in the kitchen. And so I started buying cookbooks and looking for new ideas and inspiration in the kitchen. I just started to up my game and try new cooking techniques, things that I only saw on TV or read about, but never experienced. My mom didn't cook this way, Um, but using techniques like braising and searing. Have you guys ever seared meat before? The whole premise is to cook the meat at a high temperature on the stovetop to create a crust on the outside of the meat. And then you lock in those juices by finishing off the cooking process in the oven. Do you know what they don't tell you in cookbooks? that searing meat at high temperatures causes smoke. So here I am, it's a beautiful day. I get home from work first, so I decide I am going to sear some meat for dinner tonight. And I'm searing away and there's a lot of smoke and all of a sudden the smoke detector goes off. 
And at first, I just laughed it off and went to grab a dish towel to wave in front of the detector. But then the alarm started going off. And the next thing I know, there are flashing lights and the speakers start screaming, fire, fire, please leave immediately. Whoop, 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 fire, fire. And we're not talking just alarms and speakers inside the house. Remember, there are speakers outside of the house. And the alarms are going off at such a piercing decibel level, I can't even hear myself think. And I start screaming. I start screaming, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is not a fire. This is just some smoke. Who the heck puts a smoke detector in a kitchen? So I run over to the phone. I call the alarm company and I let them know there's no fire. The house is not on fire. It's just some smoke. I'm cooking. It's fine. And the lady on the other end of the line tells me, I'm sorry, ma'am, but the fire company has already been dispatched. And so I start yelling. I'm begging her, call them back. There's no emergency. But she's like, honey, I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. Thankfully, she was able to at least disable the talking alarm and sirens. But there was nothing else I could do but walk outside and wait for the fire trucks. Now, what I didn't mention is we lived in this nice, quiet cul-de-sac. We're probably towards the end of the cul-de-sac. And so the fire department did not get the message that everything was fine because they didn't send one fire truck. They sent two. And both fire trucks had their alarms and their sirens going off at piercing levels. And I just had to stand there and take it. It was like getting punched in the gut. There was nothing I could do. I just had... I was just, I was so ashamed. I was so embarrassed. I was so humiliated. I was mortified. Neighbors that I hadn't even met yet started coming out of their houses to see the spectacle I had created. And all I wanted to do was hide in my house and I couldn't. I told the firemen everything was fine, but they insisted on coming inside to check out my kitchen. And once they saw that the situation was under control, they all kind of chuckled at my misfortune. I'm sure they're like, oh, who's this little young girl? Doesn't know what she's doing. Made some smoke. Ha ha ha. Isn't that so funny? Isn't that so cute? They just basically said, make sure you open some windows. Don't let this happen again. And guys, I wish I could say that was the one and only time fire trucks were at my house. But this probably happened three or four times. And there was no polite laughing by the firemen after the second time. And I totally get it. Our township even changed the rules that you would get charged if firemen came to your house unnecessarily because of me. I'm the one that changed the rules of a township. How crazy is that? Now, you would have thought that this would have deterred me from cooking indefinitely, but I was determined to figure it out. I guess I can be stubborn at times. I did on the other hand, get really good at holding off the fire company. So every night before I started cooking dinner, I would call the alarm company proactively and I would say, hi, it's Adrian at whatever my address was and I'm just cooking dinner and if the alarms go off, please do not dispatch the fire company. And um, that technique seemed to work pretty well. Now, in my defense, I called the guy who installed the alarm system into our home and I told him, you have got to disable this. And he told me he would come to the house, he would tinker with wires, he'd be like, okay, you should be fine now. And so I thought everything was good until I cooked again 
and the talking alarm system went off. And then I called him and I'm like, listen, if you don't get over here and disable this whole system, I'm going to start cutting wires. And so then we were fine. But the reason why the fire company was at my house so many times is because he promised it was okay and it wasn't. So I just want to put that little disclaimer in here. I was not that terrible of a, um, it's not like I didn't try to keep this from happening again and again. So a few years later, we moved into my husband's grandparents' farmhouse, where I am happy to report we do not have a security system hardwired to the fire department. But guys, every time my smoke alarm goes off, I swear I have PTSD and my anxiety level jumps up a few notches. I will forever be haunted by the humiliation and the piercing sound of talking alarms every time I hear the beeping of a smoke detector. So what are your thoughts when it comes to cooking? Do you like it? Do you have a story that has deterred you from wanting to learn to cook like me? Every new client that comes into my office is always asked this question. Do you like to cook? And the answer is either a positive yes or a definitive no. Rarely do I get someone who says, eh, it's okay. And I'm always curious what makes a person feel so strong about their answer. For many people that don't like to cook, it's usually because they don't know how, or they were never taught, or they're choosing recipes that are too complicated, or they don't have the time. And then there's also the back end. It's the hassle of cleaning up and unappreciative family members who complain about the meal, which I know all too well. Cooking can be a lot of work with a lot of moving parts. And I think that's why people tend to gravitate towards baking. Because in baking, you can determine the speed of the whole process and the directions are pretty straightforward. When you wanna make a cake, you combine all the wet ingredients and you stir them into the dry ingredients and you have cake. And very, very rarely do people complain when you put cake on the table. They're usually very excited. But if health is on your radar and you're looking to make better food choices and have more energy, then cooking is a necessity because your only other option is to eat out, but that can get expensive And restaurant meals typically have a ton of extra calories, extra sugar, extra salt, and extra fat. I'll never forget the time I worked as a waitress when I was in college, and it was for a very nice upscale Italian restaurant. But I remember watching the chef squirt melted butter on the flat top before putting on a piece of chicken breast onto the the grill. And he used those, remember those old school like ketchup mustard bottles that had, they were red and yellow and they had the triangular tip and you could squirt your condiments on. Well, he was using that to hold the melted butter and he basically squirted the butter on the flat top. He put the chicken, he squirted some more butter on top of the chicken and then put a lid on it. And then when it was time to flip, he um, lifted the lid, flipped the chicken and squirted more butter on it. Guys. There is a reason why restaurant food tastes so much better than when you're trying to make healthier versions at home, right? They're using things like 
fat, they're using butter, they're using salt. Those are two ingredients that ignite and excite our pleasure centers and our taste buds. When we steam broccoli at home, it is never going to compare with broccoli that has butter and salt on it at a restaurant. But when you're cooking at home, you're in charge of the ingredients and you're in charge of the volume, which are two key factors for health. I remember reading the book Cooked by Michael Pollan a few years ago, and he stated, and it was very matter of fact, that in his book, he said, the reason people are overweight and obese in America is because people don't cook anymore. Our culture has made it ridiculously easy to get food any time of the day. I remember growing up and restaurants actually closed at 8 p.m. And I think the fast food restaurants, they might have even closed at 9 or 10, maybe 11 on the weekends. Now, granted, I grew up in Lancaster County where life was a little slower paced, but still, now we have 24-hour drive throughs and grocery stores that are open all day long. And they're making these quick, easy meals for us to to take advantage of so we don't even have to do any cooking. So what I want to do today is I want to give you three simple tips for cooking more at home to make the process more enjoyable because I have seen the effects firsthand in my office. When you cook at home, you eat healthier. When you cook at home, you're in control of the ingredients. So there's less fat, there's less sugar, and portion control is a lot easier. So let's learn these tips together so you can take control of your health. Tip number one, keep it simple. If time and work are keeping you from cooking, then you need to simplify your meals. No one said you needed to make elaborate sauces or use complicated cooking techniques to make your food taste good. I personally haven't tried to sear another piece of meat since that unfortunate event 15, 16 years ago. There are only three components that are necessary to pull off a healthy meal. A high fiber carb, a lean protein, and lots of vegetables. And this can be done really simply. You could throw some chicken tenders on an indoor grill, like a George Foreman grill. And you could throw a sweet potato in a microwave or an oven, and then just use the um, those steamer bags of vegetables. That can be a meal that's very healthy and tasty. And I find that my kids actually prefer when we eat things more simpler in nature because they don't like their foods to touch. So we don't need to make these complicated recipes. Uh, Another quick, easy idea is tacos. Simply throw in some brown rice and some black beans. If you want to add chicken or ground turkey, you can do that as well. Add some taco seasoning, throw that in a whole wheat soft wrap, along with shredded lettuce from a bag, sliced grape tomatoes and onions, and voila, dinner is served in a matter of minutes. So keep your recipes simple. Don't look for these overly complicated multi-step recipes that leave you feeling overwhelmed and exhausted. It's not necessary. You can still put a great meal on the table in a simple form. Tip number two, find your cooking rhythm. So here's the deal. Some people like to cook once a week and then have food for 
the entire week. They cook on a weekend. They take a couple hours. And other people enjoy cooking daily. And then there's a third group of people that like cooking, say, three times a week and then have leftovers the remaining days. And guess what? All are great options. There is no one right way, just the way that works for you. So here's the deal, guys. I find so many of us are trying to find this perfect way and do things perfectly. And so we're, we're listening to the advice of our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers. And then when that way doesn't work for us, we get really frustrated and annoyed at why can't this work? And the thing is, it may not because we're all different. We have different preferences. We have different skill level. We have different times and we have different schedules. All of those things, they all play a role in what is successful for you. So don't get hung up on the rules. Make your own rules. As long as it's serving you well and it's serving your health well, why does it need to look like one certain way? I know when my kids were little, I used to cook during nap time because trying to cook when everybody was melting down and Jim was still at work was a nightmare. And so I decided, you know, why am I doing this to myself? Yes, I would have preferred doing something for myself during nap time, but that didn't work. So cooking it was, and it made the whole dinner time routine so much more calmer and I was able to tend to their needs instead of feeling resentful when I was trying to do something good and get dinner on the table and they were having meltdowns. So figure out what works for you. And finally, tip number three is meal plan. So we're going to talk more about the details in depth at a later episode. But guys, this is a huge one. Cooking is hard enough. Do not add the extra challenge of coming up with what to cook the same night, okay? We can do one hard thing, but two things can literally push us over the edge. And so the, the, the allure, the positives of creating a meal plan is you put the creativity piece behind you, and then all you have to do in the moment is follow the plan. You just follow the directions, right? We like simple. We like, just tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. But if we have to come up with the plan and then try to execute it at the same time, that's too much. It's why people hire trainers. I don't want to have to come up with the exercise plan and then have the motivation to actually exercise. That's too many things. If I hire a trainer, they just tell me what to do. And so the meal plan is going to be your saving grace. When you try to wing it each night, And then you add in the challenge of a whole bunch of different food preferences and whining people. It's completely overwhelming. There's no way you can accommodate every single person's preference in the moment. No wonder we opt for takeout. It's just easier. So I'm recording this episode during the quarantine for COVID-19. And one of the challenges we're facing right now is that my husband, Jim, is doing most of the grocery shopping. He's, he's going stir crazy. All right. I'm just going to say it. The other day he just, we were in the house and all of a sudden he's like, I need to go to Costco. Like, what do you need at Costco? You were just there two days ago. I need mushrooms. I was like, mushrooms is not a good enough reason to go to Costco. 
But really, if I read between the lines, what he was saying is, I need to get out of here. I need some, I need to go in the car. I need to get out of this house. And so I have been letting him do the grocery shopping because I hate wearing those masks. And if he doesn't mind wearing it and getting the food, hey, that's a win for me. But here's the deal. He's buying great foods. I have to give him that. He buys a ton of fruits, a ton of vegetables. He buys whole grains. He doesn't buy junk food. Like he does a great job grocery shopping. But what he doesn't do a great job at is buying the ingredients to turn those great healthy foods into meals. And so because he's grocery shopping without meal planning, we just have a bunch of random healthy ingredients in the house. And that's fine until somebody comes up to me and says, Mom, what's for dinner tonight? And I'm like, I don't know. We have rice. We have mushrooms. We have black beans. And nobody wants that. That's not a meal. That's just listing ingredients. And I feel like I'm on an episode of Chopped. I told you before, I'm not a chef. I need a recipe to follow. I can't just look at three ingredients and magically come up with a meal. But all of a sudden, I had this realization that many of you and many of my clients live like this every single night of the week. You have random ingredients in your homes, but you have no plan of how to pull it all together. And so cooking is hard. And when things get hard, we give up. So creating a meal plan each week is life-changing. I promise you. It's probably one of my favorite topics to talk about because how effective it is and how people can radically see a shift in their stress levels and feel more confident in the kitchen just by doing this one little step. All right. So there you have it, guys. Three tips to make cooking a little bit more simple. Um, First of all, keep your recipes simple. Keep your cooking techniques simple. Number two, find your cooking rhythm. Find what works for you. And then finally, meal plan. It will make your week so much less chaotic. And you will find that you enjoy the experience of cooking so much more. All right. So I told you at the end of every episode, I'm going to share a recipe with you. So it only makes sense that for today's episode, I share a very quick, simple meal that gets rave reviews from my crew. And I love this recipe so much because every ingredient is one. So it's really easy to remember. And you get the bonus of that the whole entire meal can be cooked in the same pot. So no extra dishes. This recipe is called turkey sausage soup, and the ingredients are one pound of turkey sausage, one teaspoon of Italian seasoning, one can of diced tomatoes, one box of chicken broth, one cup of orzo, one bag of spinach, and one handful of shredded Parmesan cheese. I told you, everything is one, so it's really simple to remember and memorize. And the directions are even easier. So for this recipe, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to take that turkey sausage and you're going to put it in a big old soup pot and brown it until it's cooked through and then drain any fat from the pan. After the turkey sausage is done cooking, you're going to add the Italian seasoning, the tomatoes, and the chicken broth, and then bring that to a boil. So that takes about, I don't know, eight minutes. 
when liquid, when the liquid is boiling, you're going to add your orzo and you're going to cook for as long as that box tells you to cook it, um, about six to eight minutes. When the orzo is done cooking, you then are going to add that bag of spinach and that handful of Parmesan cheese, and you're going to stir the soup until the spinach is wilted. And at that point, you're done. If you want to add some fresh basil just to brighten up the soup, I definitely recommend it, but it's not necessary. But guys, that's it. That's how simple it is. And that soup will feed about four people. So if you have larger families, you're going to want to double it or just double it so you can have leftovers. This is a meal that comes together literally in 20 minutes. And you can serve it with a bag salad. And again, all the components are there. We've got our starch, we've got our protein, and we've got tons of vegetables between the spinach and tomatoes and the side salad. But this is how easy meals can be. Recipes that your family enjoys, recipes that don't require a lot of dishes, um, and also recipes that are quick and simple. So guys, I hope you enjoy this recipe as much as my family does. And I hope these tips uh, will make your own cooking experience a lot more manageable and enjoyable. Thanks for listening to this episode, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricspa.com. Or you can find us on socials. We're on Instagram at Bodymetrics Health or on Facebook at Bodymetrics Health and Wellness Services. The book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.